And this series is called The Best Advice I Ever Got. And what I'm going to do over the course of this series is share with you some of the best biblical principles that I've encountered over all of my time walking with the Lord. And we'll cover a variety of different topics and uh, I think it's going to be a great series. It's also a great series to invite people to. Uh, some might be brave enough to come with you on a Sunday morning outside, but remember, most people are going to connect through online first, so just point them towards that. And they don't even have to do it at a particular time because it, it will be posted on our website, cornerstonenh.org, so they can watch and connect anytime on demand as well. But perhaps you've been in a situation where you really needed some good advice. You didn't know exactly what to do. You were facing a situation that you haven't faced before, and you need... Siri just thought I said her name because it just talked to me. Where is it? It's in my pocket. Okay. Um, yeah. It's... Uh, and you don't know exactly what to do. And sometimes it's not a very big deal, but sometimes it's a much larger deal and it uh, is going to affect the course of your life for a long time. The stakes are high. So what do you do when you face a situation where you don't know what to do and perhaps the stakes are high and you really need good wisdom? Well, in this introduction, we're going to look at a passage, it's Psalm 1, that gives us some insight into exactly how that happens. And my goal for, uh, for this time together is that all of us will adjust our life in some form or fashion so that we are in a place where we are hearing God's instruction on a regular basis so that when the time comes that we are able to apply God's wisdom in the particular situation that we face. So uh, because when the time comes, you're going to need to have that kind of backlog of good information that you are going to need. So let's start together and <clears throat> look at Psalm 1, Psalm 1. You in your insert in your bulletin, I printed it there as well, so you can follow along on there. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and this is what it says. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So let's look at it together, beginning with that first phrase. It says, oh, the joys of those who. Now, that's, of course, not the entirety of that verse, but it's setting out over the course of this whole psalm two different paths that result in two different responses or consequences or uh, actions, 
and then implicitly encourages you to choose a particular path. And it's going to contrast a person who is blessed by the Lord with those who have rejected the Lord. And it starts out with that, oh, the joys of. Literally, it says blessed. It's a blessing. So some translations say blessed. Some say happy. This one talks about joy. Some pastors and even I in the past have made a little bit of a distinction between happiness because that's based on happenings and joy that is unmoored from your circumstances. And the idea of blessing or joy is something that you can get only from the Lord. Now, I, I do believe that this happiness that you're talk, we're talking about is separated from our circumstances, but you can think about it as any of those things. You can talk about it as blessings, joy, happiness. It's all the same kind of concept. And this, to my mind, is, the, is kind of an Old Testament equivalent to what Jesus promised to his followers. And you see that in John 10.10 10, right below. It says the thief's purpose, this is Jesus speaking and teaching, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life. And so that's where we get the idea that if you follow Jesus, that's going to make life better and you better at life. It doesn't mean all of your circumstances are going to turn out well, but it's just a better option all the way around when you are following Jesus. And so this is what, if God is a loving heavenly father, what he wants for us, he wants us to have the blessed, joyful life. And if you think about it, if uh, in a parent and child situation, what do your parents want for you? What do you as parents want for your children? You want things to turn out well for them. Now, you know that not everything is going to go according to plan, but you want what's best for them. Does that mean as a small ch child, you give them everything that they ask for and everything that they want? No, of course not, because that's not what's best for them. But you as a parent want what's best for your children. And children, you should have the confidence that your parents, even though they might not always do exactly what you want them to, they do have your best interest at heart. So that's what we are talking about here. And so it lays out two different paths. The first one is the negative path. And so it's how blessed, and I'm switching over to the New American Standard for that, for this section you see there, because it's a more literal translation. And I want to bring out the poetry here, because Psalms are poetry. It uses poetic language. And you'll see a parallelism there. Uh, how blessed is the man who does not and then there you'll see walk, stand, and sit. Walk, stand, and sit. Walk in the counsel of the wicked. The idea of walk is this is your way of life. So if your way of life is that you're constantly listening to and following the counsel of people who have chosen the wrong path, then you're not going to experience that blessed life nor stand in the path of sinners. Here the idea of stand is the company that you keep. You are going to, your life is going to be in large part determined by the company you keep. It, direct, it determines the direction and quality of your life. And so if you are 
hanging around with, if you keep company with people who are constantly missing the mark. Maybe they have good intentions, but for whatever reason, they are always kind of going astray. That's the idea of standing in the path of sinners. You hang out with people, you're going to become like them, you're going to experience the when their life blows up, you're going to be a part of the collateral damage. And then sit in the seat of scoffers. Here the idea when you sit is that you are in that role. You're doing the role of. So a mocker or a scoffer is somebody who it sees people who are trying to do the right thing and is going to just make fun of them. They're mocking them. They're scoffing at them for trying to do the right thing. So he says, if you are going to follow along, have a course of life that is constantly listening to people who are going astray, if you hang out with people who are missing the mark, if you do fulfill the role of a scoffer, then you are not going to have that joyful, happy, blessed life that your heavenly Father wants for you. Then he gives the contrast. Remember, he's setting out two paths. And the contrasting path is this. But the people that are blessed, the people that are joyful, the people that are happy, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, Psalm 1-2. Two aspects of this. Again, a big aspect of Hebrew poetry is parallelism. So these are two thoughts that are in parallel. They delight in the law of the Lord. That is, they rejoice in. And then the word law there is the word Torah. Some of you have probably heard of Torah before. That's the, the Hebrew word for the first five books of the Bible. It's often translated as law, as it is in this verse. But another translation, and one that I like better, is the idea of instruction. You know, we think of law because it's, uh, you know, if this is the way things work, you know, the law of gravity, for example. And so it's laying out instruction about the way things work. Uh, and if you delight in the instruction of the Lord, then you're going to have that kind of experience. And then it says meditating on it day and night. What does that look like? What does it mean to meditate? You probably, you may have the picture of somebody just sitting there going om, that's meditation, or your understanding of meditation. Meditation is the idea of turning something over and over in your mind. If you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate. Worry is thinking about what could go wrong and turning that over in your mind, thinking about the different consequences or what might happen. You are meditating. So here it's meditating on the instruction of the Lord, that you're constantly thinking about. You're thinking his thoughts after him. You're focused on his word, meditating on it day and night. And so you can think about it like this. How many of you have been on a road and you're behind a big dump truck that has a big sign on the back of it that says, do not follow construction vehicles? Anybody recognize that? You've seen that? Okay. I've always thought that's funny because if you're seeing that, reading that sign, what are you doing? You're basically following that truck and they're telling you not to do that. Now, of course, why do they do that? That truck is probably going to go off the road at some point, go into a construction zone, and they don't want you mindlessly following it. 
the unblessed life is like following that truck. You're just kind of going along. You're going with the flow. You're hanging around a certain type of people, listening to their counsel, and fulfilling that role of a person who's not paying attention to the Lord. And eventually, you're going to be off-road. You're going to be in trouble if you just follow along with that. Whereas if you are meditating on the law and the instruction of the Lord, that's more like a GPS where you're going along and you're constantly paying attention to that GPS uh, and following that lead. That's kind of the idea of meditating on the instruction of the Lord. Now, there's two different paths and there are also two reliable, predictable paths outcomes. And then it gives an example of each of these. What's it like? What's the result of following these two different paths? Beginning at verse three, they, again, the people who are blessed, are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. And then the contrasting, reliable, predictable outcome, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. Now, the psalmist here gives us the illustration for us. He says, you can think of a person who is meditating on God's instructions as a person who is a tr- like a tree that's planted along a riverbank. What's the idea there? It's rooted. There's permanence. There's stability. When tough times come, not enough rain, they don't have to worry because they're planted by the riverbank. Their roots can go into that source of water. They are always going to have what they need. And as a result, they are bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never, never wither. They prosper in all they do. And then there's the contrasting picture of chaff. Uh, I, my parents grew up on farms, but I am not a farmer, but I have learned that the chaff is that worthless part of the wheat. When they would, when they used to gather wheat in the biblical times, they would bring it into a storehouse and they would toss it or the threshing floor. They would toss it up in the air. The wheat, the kernel that was what you wanted is heavier. So it would fall down to the ground. The chaff, the worthless part, is light, and so it would blow away. So that's the way you would separate it. There's the exact contrasting image. There's not rootedness. It blows away. There's not permanence. There's not life. It's dead. So you have all of these different contrasts and the different result. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. The idea there is that when they are called to account, they don't have a leg to stand on because they're guilty. And so they can't stand up to scrutiny. And then they will have no place among the godly. The idea that they won't, you know, there's a crew that is doing well. They're not going to be a part of that crew. They're outside of the blessed life and the blessed people. And so the subtext to all of that is that you have to choose and you should choose wisely, considering the fact that there are two paths available, considering the fact that they have completely different 
but predictable and reliable outcomes, then choose. So the summary verse of that whole uh, psalm is the last one, verse 6. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So uh, the Lord watching over the path implies two aspects. Number one, that there is a path. And so the Lord is going to give you direction. He watches over is the idea of protection. So if you are constantly looking into, turning over, meditating upon, thinking through the instruction of the Lord, then you can expect that the Lord is going to give you guidance and direction when you need it, and he is also going to watch over you and protect you. But the path of the wicked, they don't have those same benefits, so it ends in destructions, in destruction. So it kind of reminds me that idea of choosing wisely of the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You might remember that that's the one with Sean Connery along with Harrison Ford, and they're going after the, um, oh, it just flew out of my mind. What's it called? The Cup of Jesus. The Holy Grail. Exactly. Thank you. And uh, so they come into this place where there are all of these cups, and in order to get the benefit, which is supposed to be ongoing life, renewed life, then they have to choose the right cup and drink from that cup. And so the first guy goes in and he thinks, oh, you know, this is going to be a really fancy cup. So he chooses the fanciest, the one that's gold and has the jewel, is jewel encrusted. And he drinks from that. And let's just say bad things happen if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, And then the knight who is there, who is watching over it, says he didn't choose wisely. (laughs) Then Indiana Jones comes in. He thinks more contextually Jesus was a carpenter. He was poor. And so he picks the plain wooden cup and takes that, and it ends up being the right one. So now I've just spoiled it for you if you didn't see it. But uh, he chose wisely. And that's kind of the subtext of this, is choose wisely. It reminds me of Moses at the end of the Torah, at the end of Deuteronomy. He's given God's instruction to all of the people. And the way that he closes this long sermon is with this presentation of a choice. He says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, Today I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Oh, that you would choose life. There are two paths available to us. They are contrasting. They have very predictable and reliable outcomes. They lead to very understandable, reliable, predictable destinations. And so Moses, as the pastor and father figure for his people, begs them to choose life, to choose wisely. Our Heavenly Father loves us and wants us to choose wisely because he knows that those choices will have reliable and predictable outcomes and 
God's instructions, this is the bottom line, lead to the life you really want. God's instructions lead to the life that you really want. So my whole purpose, what I hope that you will get out of this, the way that I hope that you will respond to this, is to adjust your life in some form or fashion so that you are in the path of God's instructions, that you have the information, the instruction, the insight, the watch care over your life so that as you're making decisions, as you're going through life, you will experience, you'll be on the right path and experience the blessings that come from those choices. And so I'm going to suggest as we, as we bring this to a close, some different ways that you can do this. How can you be a part of the happy, joyful, blessed crew that are delighting, delighting in the instruction of the Lord and are meditating on it day and night. And it has to do with choosing your focus. So if you're following along in the notes, the, this is all under the how section. So the first thing is to start to make sure that you are on the path of Jesus, that you are following Jesus. Now, because we're a relatively small crew, because I know all of you, generally speaking, you are already on this path. However, I want to, uh, let me just explain to you why I do this every week. Because, number one, the more, uh, there, there's always the chance that there will be somebody here who has not yet crossed the line of faith. And they need to have that invitation. They need to have the opportunity to do that. Secondly, Presenting the gospel is not just my job as a pastor. It's something that every single one of you as a follower of Jesus should be able to sit down and explain to a person how you make the decision to follow Jesus, how to turn your life over to Jesus. So every time when you hear me do this, this is kind of like training. You'll have heard it so much, I hope. That when you have an opportunity to have this conversation, you'll be able to follow through that outline and know how to lead somebody to Christ. And so most often when I talk about it, I talk about it with the shorthand of saying yes to Jesus. So that's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that you say yes to Jesus. What are you saying yes to? I always point out two different aspects of Jesus' role. Number one, that he's the Savior, that what he did on the cross paid the penalty for our sins, and as a result, we can have forgiveness for our sins and new life that he purchased for us on the cross. So saying yes to Jesus means saying yes to Jesus as Savior, that what he did on the cross, because people may believe that Jesus died on the cross and that that was for the sins of the whole world, but they need to personalize that so that what he did on the cross counts for me. It's not automatic, and we need to stress that with people. So I start out with saying yes to Jesus as our Savior, but then the aspect also that we are saying yes to him as Lord, and this is an important thing for people to grasp because if they just say, I want to 
have my sins forgiven, but I plan on just living my life any old way that I please, then they don't get it. They're not following Jesus. And so we, I, I say it's saying yes to Jesus as Savior, but also yes to Jesus as Lord. And because we don't use that phrase very often, you know, we don't have lords in our daily life, generally speaking, I describe it in different ways, that he's the boss, that he's the one that gets to call the shots. He's the leader of our lives, and that when we are following Jesus, we are surrendering to his leadership, his lordship, and then emphasizing that it's not automatic, that they have to say yes. And then I give the opportunity to uh, let us know, because we want to be able to celebrate their decision and resource them in their new life with Christ. And that's what you see in the box. And the primary way we do that is just encouraging people to text yes. So all of you should be able to sit down with somebody, and if they say, well, what's it mean to be a Christian? And be able to say, well, it's kind of like just giving Jesus your unqualified yes. Yes, you want him to be your Savior. You want what he did on the cross to count for me. And secondly, you're saying yes to his leadership in your life, that he's going to be the boss. He's going to get to call the shots. Would you like to do that? And then you can pray with them and pray through that with them. So that's why I do that every week. And you, if you watch online, you'll see that each week as well. But for those of us that are already here that have already put themselves on the path of Jesus, then it's important for us to read and respond to God's word daily. Now, thankfully, I know that many of you already have this habit. That's a great thing. If you don't have this habit, then that's the idea of meditating on God's law, his instruction, day and night. I put Psalm 119, 105 there because I think it's very insightful for this idea. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet, and a light for my path. If you think through what it's describing there, the context has to be darkness, right? I mean, you don't need a light if you're walking on a path in full daylight. So there's, there's darkness on the path. And God's word acts like a light for your path. Now, if you have a flashlight or a lantern or something like that, you're not going to see five miles down the road, what are you going to see? You're going to see the next steps in front of you. And so in a situation like that, that's why it's important for you to daily be reading and responding to God's word, because he's going to give you insight and instruction that you need on a daily basis. In essence, that verse is saying it's dark, but here's your next step. You know, and that's why we read and respond to God's word on a daily basis. It's dark, but here's your next step. And then, of course, to do church each and every week. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's Hebrews 10.24. And in Hebrews 10.25, we're going to be encouraged to continue to meet together. But I want you to notice the purpose of, of that meeting. Yes, meeting and gathering is really important, but what's the purpose? It's the destination. How is it that we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds? And then to huddle up 
and pass it on. So there's verse 25, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. And then the idea that it isn't just supposed to stop with you. So I'm going to illustrate this, and I asked my daughters, uh, Joy and Olivia, to help me out with that. And you can think of the different truths that you are picking up as you read and respond and study as a baton that is handed to you. So I have my handy-dandy baton right here. And so this is some... You can think of this as some insight or instruction or truth that I have received. And so I didn't come up with this. You know, somebody probably handed it to me or I picked it up as I was studying or something like that. Now, I can hold on to this and I can benefit from it. And then the next day, I pick up another one. Okay. So now I've got some, some, some more insight and some more instruction. And because this is my daily habit, I'm going to continue to do this. And I'm getting quite a collection now. Oh, I already have a green one. I don't need a green one. Uh, oh, no, I already have the black one, too. All right, here we go. So now I've got this collection of, of good stuff. You know, I'm meditating on this. I'm thinking through this. How many of you ever seen uh, a relay race? You're familiar with the concept, right? Is this how it works? <laughs> uh, generally not. Here's the idea that as I gain some truth, then I'm going to pass it on. And then Livy, you go a little bit closer to your mom. You go a little bit closer towards Livy. All right, so now I've handed that to Joy. Now you deliver it to Livy, and you give that to Mom, okay? And then I've got another truth or insight, and I want to share it because I want my daughter to know what's going on and to have this. In yeah, you got the idea. Very good. <laughs> All right. Now, I was going to illustrate this by actually handing one of these out to you guys with some particular information in it that would be of benefit and blessing to you. But then I remembered we were in a pandemic and I probably shouldn't be handing stuff from one person to the next. So I came up with another option. And so I have sent a text, which is the electronic equivalent of one of these batons, to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth doesn't know what I'm supposed to, what she's supposed to do with this yet, so I'm going to tell her that she's supposed to take it and pick the telephone number of somebody that you see around here, not in your circle, not in your flag pod, and I want you to copy that text and send it to somebody else. And then, if you happen to be the person that she chooses, then you do the same thing and pass that along to somebody else. And you will get the concept. Oh, wait, here we go. Keep going. So while she's doing that, now the handoff is an important part of this. <laughs> you want the next person to get it. 
So you do everything you can to make sure that that handoff happens successfully, even though it's your sister and it's fun to throw things at her. Okay. Now, why did I do that? In 2 Timothy 2.2, thank you, ladies. It points out the purpose, the, 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 the design of discipleship for those of us who are followers of Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his apprentice saying, look, this, uh, you, you know stuff. You've been hanging around me for a while. You've heard this. You've seen the impact. You know this stuff. So what are you supposed to do with it now that you've gathered this collection of information? Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You see, a lot of my role is to simply remind, to introduce concepts to people who have not heard them before, but then to remind you of those concepts. And if you are a follower of Jesus, just like I said, it's not my job to present the gospel to everyone you know. That's something all of us should be able to do. The follower of Jesus is a disciple who is supposed to make other disciples. So once you put yourself in the path of God's instruction, you're not so supposed to just be a hoarder of that information. You are supposed to pass it on. And so that can happen in your family, in a group, in a variety of different situations. And as you build up that information, then it's available to you when you need it. But also you're going to encounter others who are facing similar situations and you will be able to share that information in the context of that relationship. So that's the plan. That is the design, in fact. So here is what, uh, oh, one last thing, to watch our inputs. Remember how we said uh, to stand in the path is to, kind of just hang out, listen to the council. You're, you're taking all of these inputs. And when I was growing up, my mom used to use a phrase called garbage, uh, that she would say, garbage in, garbage out, right? Perhaps one of your parents said something like that to you. The whole idea is whatever you put in your mind is going to flow out in the way in your life as well. Hey, look at that. The sun is shining. That's awesome. Uh, and this is, this, this is the concept here as well. If you are constantly watching, listening to, engaging with people that are contentious and argumentative and difficult, then that's going to impact your attitude and the way that your life flows. But if you are constantly filling your mind with God's word and his truths, then that's going to be reflected in your life as well. It's going to make a difference in your attitude. It's going to make a difference in your life. So train your brain. That's what the Apostle Paul is basically saying in Philippians 4, 8. Fix your thoughts on what is true. There's the idea of meditating 
thinking about it, turning it over. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and praiseworthy, worthy of praise. So, do you want the blessed life? Do you want a life that is watched over by Lord, by the Lord, giving you direction when you need it? Then you have to put yourself in the course of his instructions because God's instructions lead to the life you really want. So I'm going to give you this challenge, and that's to make some kind of course correction. Maybe that means uh, figuring out a way to pass on the knowledge that you have been given. Maybe it means establishing a daily devotional habit and being committed to it. I had heard this for a very long time, but it wasn't until I started our life journaling process, more about that in just a second, that that became a truly day in and day out habit for me. And there have been times where that kind of falls off again and I have to renew that habit as well. Uh, maybe it is making a huge U-turn in some form or fashion. Maybe it's watching your inputs. Who are the people that you're hanging out with? Who are the people that you're listening to? What are you filling your mind with on a daily basis? But my challenge is to make at least one course correction. And I'm going to give you some resources and some ideas for how that will happen. And that is online. Uh, you'll see there it says C cornerstone nh.org slash 1095. 1095 is the serial number, the reference number for today's message. And so when you go to that page, there are going to be all kinds of resources and ideas that you can use to put yourself in the path of God's instructions and as a result to benefit from the reliable expect, expected destination as well. Because think about that last verse again. You and the people that you care about, the people that are around you, they are either going to live a life that is directed by and protected by a loving Heavenly Father, or they're going to be removed from that and be on their own, unprotected and unguided on a path that leads to destruction. Choose one. Choose wisely. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a loving Heavenly Father, that Jesus taught us to pray addressing you as Father, that that was the primary way that we were to understand you. And we know that perhaps our fathers or we as fathers have failed in many ways, but you are the perfect Heavenly Father who knows exactly what to do and is eager and willing to share that insight with us. So I pray, Lord, that you would through what we've heard, what we'll read, what we'll talk about, that you'll give us the wisdom that we need and show us exactly how we are supposed to respond to today's message. And then that you would give us the power and courage and follow through 
to act on it so that we can be on your path and experiencing your blessings. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that's here, my brothers and sisters, my friends in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless and use what you have spoken to us through your word to bless and transform our lives and the lives around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.